0: on the east coast and we are podcasting after the knicks won game two 111 to 105 over the miami heat second game of their second round series there's so much to talk about so i'm just gonna read through the ad and get to it i don't even think i'm gonna do anything over the ad i'm just gonna literally read it the way that it sounds BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all your basketball info, stats, news, and scores. Get the latest odds and lines, including the latest player reports for this year's Pro Basketball Playoffs. BetOnline is always your sports information headquarters this season, as we have you covered for all your sports wagering needs. Basketball, MLB, NHL hockey, right to UFC, and boxing. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, including live betting options, and your favorite casino and card games you can play right from your home Head to the website today, or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use our promo code, believe B L E A V, to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Stacy Patton, um, this was an emotional evening for me. I don't know how you're feeling. Um, what was it like for you?
1: Um. It wasn't much fun until the end, to state the obvious. Um, But even then, there's there's a lot of work to be done. Uh, They have a good long layoff. They need it. Mm -hmm. I usually feel like a three-day layoff. They they needed to regroup. Um, I came into the series thinking that they were the more talented team. I still think that's the case. I thought without Jimmy Butler, it should be even more decisive. Um, and uh, after the first game, I wasn't as discouraged as I weirdly am now. Um, hmm. but I'm, well, I wouldn't say I'm, I, they have a chance. They they avoided catastrophe. Are you less um,
0: optimistic now than a you little
1: were? Bit yeah, the, the after game one, because um, one, it seems like every time the Knicks had something going, Spolster called a timeout and the Heat would go on a run. (laughs) Um, They're facing – they haven't faced the coach. This isn't Nate McMillan. This isn't Jamie Biggerstaff. This is the equivalent of facing, um, I would say, Prime Phil Jackson or um, Greg Greg Popovich. Um, That's not a knock on tips, but – but it, I think there's just so much where even the Knicks had serious matchup advantages. There's no one. Bam is the only player that can guard Julius and then you have Mitch there and uh, Julius Randle had a good game and so many things went the Knicks way. It's the thing like Jimmy was out. They went 16 for 40 from three. You cannot blame this performance on three-point shooting. They had they shot 40% from three at a high volume. Um, they got good three-point contributions from guys that are not known as shooters, right? R.J. Barrett went five from nine. Um, Hart had two massive ones in the fourth quarter. Uh, and not to take away credit from those guys, but these are things that when these things go the next way, you expect them to blow the other team out, especially when there's a, ter- a talent disparity or at least a perceived talent disparity that you, you know, that you saw tonight. Um, I mean, even, I didn't think Brunson was good for most parts of his game. He had 30. He had 30 on um, 19 shots. Um, he had statistically a good game. Do I think he was one of his best games? No. But he was huge on the stretch. A lot went their way, and it resulted in a six-point win um, over the Heat without Jimmy Butler. Um, you know, someone tweeted that, you know, the Knicks are supposed to have the better depth. But, you know, guys like... You know, you look at the Knicks bench, didn't hit a three pointer. They're arguably Obi Toppin has been their best three point shooter in these playoffs. He didn't hit a three.
0: Unquestionably off the bench, yeah.
1: Quickly was 0 for 4. Grimes was 0 for 2. Um, the fourth bench player I thought was incredibly important. And I'm not going to say that they didn't get a bench contribution from R. Z. Hardestine, but. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. So, but the, the Knicks. The reality is, RJ's still had another great game. Randall, coming off of injury, I thought played really well. His defense is still not back where you'd want it to be. But twenty-five, twelve, and eight. Um, you know, three for nine from three will get it done for him when he's playing as well as he did. <laughs> they they got to the line more. Um, and it it just seemed, I mean, this team is a pain in the ass to play against, and that's not going away, and when Jimmy gets back, I mean, you can say maybe they were more three-point happy. Um, you know, they took 49 threes, hit 17. Maybe, like, that's actually a better strategy for them than mm-hmm. I, I, but I, I wouldn't go that far. They, they were without their best player, and, and the Knicks at home, you know, won by the hair of their Chinese chin. so it's going to be a big three days because um, they need to um, they need to make some adjustments, and they need to. And beyond that, it's a bigger three days because they're facing this genius. It's not even that Spolster will just come up with a great strategy. Like you can say Bickerstaff made the adjustment to trap in game two, and that was a good adjustment, right? And he made an adjustment to get Garland off the ball in game three that got him going like those are, but those are one-off at one time adjustments. And when you, when the Knicks came up with answers to that, he didn't have another one, at least in the same game. Spolster is constant. They're an amoeba on both sides of the floor. Um, he can, he can go from having Bam bring up the ball and, and set up Jimmy or whoever it is that way to running off ball stuff for and, um and Vincent and love. This is mentally the most taxing team for not just Tibbs, the entire Knicks team, and uh, and I think you see that, and you see that um, you know there's there's just the talent disparity, which I think is a thing, just doesn't exist, isn't going to manifest in the same way, and they're going to have to hit some big shots and and get some breaks to fall, and and there's other things too. I think, I mean, at this point, it seems like. One big adjustment they're gonna figure out is how to get how to deal with Bam out of bio screens. Because the fact is he sets a lot of illegal screens, but like Kevin Looney, Draymond Green, Kevin. Guys, yeah, a lot of yeah. And so this isn't even I'm saying that yeah, he knows how to get away with it. Mm-hmm. And you can't just depend on the refs calling that because
0: although if Scott Foster is officiating, maybe we can.
1: Well, he I mean he, he that he didn't call that. He gave the Knicks a no, couple call no, of no. calls, and I'm not complaining about the officiating, but I think that specific thing, it almost felt like the Knicks had a choice between foul to get around it, or um or die on the screen, and um you know those were tough for them to defend all game.
0: You talked about this. Um, you might have been the last episode you alluded to this. Um, that there's a like I think. The Knicks have like really striking depth, but I think there's a, there's something, there's more of a differentiated like, the Nick depth is heterogeneous. The Heat have kind of like a Hydra quality where, you literally like if they lose a player, there are two yeah. other players who will now I get one. That
1: that's such a great analogy. Yeah, I thought that too.
0: And, and it literally happens like oh they hero's out, boom, here comes Robinson and More But Butler's out more minutes for some more shots for Gabe vincent there's something really terrifying about that um i just was was um watching something on the battle of Kursk, which was like the biggest tank battle in the history of the world and like the german tanks were qualitatively superior but they were stunned and like russia won that battle because like russia just had an astonishing astonishing amount of fine tanks and after a while, like wave after wave after wave of like, okay, tanks, will overwhelm, better but lesser numbers. And I feel like with Miami, like it just—it's not like oh my god, you know, Jeremy Lin came off the bench for them and and did something stunning. They just, you know, part of this is Butler's game, but there's a sense where like I didn't watch the game tonight and noticed that Jimmy Butler wasn't there. Because on uh, in certain ways, because on some level, they just, you know, they just keep doing what they do, and they just march on. They're like orcs. Like, they're going to take a ton of threes. They're going to score every time out of a timeout. Um, They're going to get you into into, you know, rotations that they see coming, that they know how to work around. They're just going to do it over and over and over. And, like, if you have a significant talent disparity, like, if you have – in theory, I don't know a Jokic turn and B that like they just can't deal with. But if you don't have that, um, or even if you do, in the case of the Bucks, like they just do not stop, as epitomized by how many times in the last maybe 90 seconds did it seemed like the Knicks are fine, like the Knicks are, are probably fine, and like whether it was Randall's turnover stepping over the line or yeah, I can't. Actually, I I mean, I can't
1: can't even hate on it, but it's just like it just seemed like you're out out of the woods. And then, I mean, has Pat Riley made a Faustian bargain or something? Like, man.
0: (laughs) It's funny because it's very funny to me that that is 100% the kind of thing that Charles Oakley used to do. But he wasn't Julius Randall's rep, and he didn't do it in game two of the second rep. But like Charles Oakley did that kind of shit all the time um there there is something magnetic that seems to draw randall to like
1: and he had a great game on an ankle. this was let's point is out it, is this, it hyperbole that he had the best playoff game of his career i don't know
0: this is not the first time already this postseason that julius randall has returned after an injury absence and immediately like giving the Knicks what they need. But even like he did that
1: game one, and but he mm-hmm. had 19 points on 20 shots or 20 points on 19 shots. So I was an efficient 25 12 8. He was massive from three in the first half to keep them in the game. Um, there were very few decisions I hated from. I don't think I really like, like there, I actually found myself saying a couple of times, like there was one play where. He dumped it to Hartenstein for, a, like, a floater, but it was contested. It's a shot that mm-hmm. Hartenstein was hitting. I was like, eh, I kind of want you to shoot there, right? Like, mm-hmm. those were the kind of decisions he was making where I was like, you're being almost too unselfish. So, um, you know, like, it it was a – I thought it was a magnificent performance at, and without even considering the injury.
0: Yeah, he had a big moment late in the fourth where Miami had been hiding um... – when Brunson was running it on one side on the weak side of him, he was hiding their point guards on Brandle. They had Vin, they had Vincent on him and then Lowry, and they didn't they didn't go at it for a while. The Knicks and then they went at it when he had Vincent on him, and oh God, I'm trying to remember what the outcome was. It was something good. Yeah, I think he kicked it to the corner. Um, I think he dribbled in and he drew a double and he kicked out like for three. Like again on a really obviously difficult angle. This is already. Now once in each series, he's come back and at a critical game given them like something that they needed. Um I am um, I don't even know where to start. There's so much there's so much. Um
1: I did think his defense he had a lot of lapses, but you know, like mm-hmm. if he like on a day when they struggled so much on offense for so much of the game, um mm. Like I, I, they don't win this game without Randall. I think that's stating the obvious, right? So,
0: and I think something else you're seeing, like I, I agree with you. I hope this doesn't make us sound like like Jared Allen ish, but I do think the Knicks are more talented than the Heat. I think the Heat are more accustomed to wasn't
1: Jared Allen, by the way. I think it was uh, Danny Green and Rubio. Ironically, probably the two least talented players at this point in their careers. <laughs> that makes it so that much harder. Okay. Jared Allen has been. I mean, look, I didn't. I think that he he does some questionable stuff on the floor, but um, you know, as a from his speaking, he's pretty classy, and um, he the Knicks plenty of credit. Um,
0: I don't want to sound like Ricky Rubio and Danny Green, but I do think the Knicks are more talented. But I think the Heat coaches and the Heat players are more familiar with. The specifics of this kind of competition. And I think it's a question of how quickly can the Knicks adapt to like the game that they now find themselves in. Because I think if the Nick if the Nick awareness catches up to even approach like the Heat in the series, I think the Knicks can be okay. But I don't know if I don't know how quickly that can happen. Um because it's all happening there in real time, like right in front of them and just
1: And they can switch like, it up. Like that that's another thing, right? Like um, you know, it's the, the heat, I think the heat had a lower point, dif- they had a plus 0.1 point differential, um, on average this season, mm. you wonder how many short-term losses they took, you know, in terms of trying new things, because it's bolster that now they're comfortable doing right. You wonder how much more they adaptable they are to different things because they have so many veteran experienced players who have been with them for a while and, and can adapt on a seat on a fly, right? They've been in the playoffs every year, the last few years. Um, so even guys like Gabe Vincent and, and Struess and these guys, they, they have those experiences and they have that continuity. Um, I mean, it's pretty tough. Um, like if they're, they're like, they have the ability to keep you off balance. Like it's tough to just get into a rhythm. And I think, especially for young players, it, it, that's, it's tough. And um I also want to ask like, are you worried about like quickly and Grimes like I don't know if the Knicks can like they've played fantastic on defense um, I don't think they win the Cavs series by the way without quickly Grimes contributions on defense but at some point you need something more from them on this on the other end right and it just seems there's been a lot of debate about it you know, um, you know quickly has not really been empowered to do much. You know, when he has gotten the ball, he's looked a little bit less confident than he was in the regular season. But if you're only getting it a possession or two at a time, I can see both sides of the argument. On the one hand, if like, if he looks, you know, like he's not really seeing the floor properly in one or two possessions, Tibbs doesn't have the luxury in the playoffs to keep giving him the ball. Mm -hmm. But also that might be the only way to get him going, right? So he can start to get comfortable uh with Grimes I think it's just tough because the Knicks don't run much off ball stuff but he played 25 minutes today he had four three-point attempts like that's just not going to get it done um for like not not for him for the Knicks he is arguably their most dangerous off ball shooter um you know does are you worried at all a little bit about that or is this just a question of you know once you know they'll, they'll figure it out they're young players um Yeah, I'm a little uh, curious your thoughts on that because I do think they need they need more from them on offense. You know, even despite how great they've been on defense.
0: I agree with that. I think I was encouraged a little bit by Quickly's production in the fourth. um, He started making a couple of shots. um, Looked a little more calm. He hit you know a little floater, and then he hit a shot that he has struggled with now for a while. That kind of when he kind of pulls. It's like a fadeaway kind of thing, but he's going sideways as he does it. And he hasn't made it in a while, but he made it tonight. It was, I think, the second shot that he hit in the fourth. I am. I was wondering before this game that if, if Grimes continued to struggle on the offensive end, if Fournier would see any minutes. And, like, I just can't see Thibodeau playing him because I just think defensively. Yeah, it's,
1: I, I mean, I, you have the same problems. Like, the problem is that Grimes is stationary and he gets a, like, are they going to get the ball to Fournier more? I mean, Fournier might get more shots because he's willing to like kind of hijack the offense at times, but I don't know that it moves the needle that much. He might be marginally a better shooter than Grimes. And on the other end, I mean, look how much problem, look how many problems the Knicks had defending Struess and Vincent and all these guys off ball. You think it's going to go away with Fournier there? <laughs> it's going to get a lot worse.
0: I feel like in a playoff setting, I trust Fournier a lot more as a shooter than Quentin Grimes. Grimes. I know what Grimes can do, and I know what he's done sometimes. In the playoffs, to me, he looks more like he's in the quickly boat where, like, the speed or something I, is at
1: both of them are in the boat where this is a team that doesn't move the ball much. And, um, I mean, if you look at Evan Fournier in the playoffs, he hasn't played much. Evan Fournier is, for his career, a 31% three-point shooter in the playoffs. So,
0: when was the last time he was in? The, was it with Boston the last time he was there?
1: Yeah, Boston was the last time. Um, but he so was with was it at the at end you know? of 2020, 2021. Yeah. Like, I, I uh, and like, I think that on def- like, their defense has been massively important and they help you push the ball. And um, I, I just, um, yeah, I don't think, um, and I, I, yeah, I'm just, I'm very much opposed to that. It's the same way I'm opposed to giving Rose the, the ball, and for what it's worth, like I think quickly as quickly has been adept enough to get RJ the ball when he's hot. There's been times when the offense run a little bit better with quickly in there and Brunson not in there, and with Grimes, um, even though he's not getting shots up, like there is a there's a reason Tibbs closed with him over RJ, which is an interesting decision. We can talk about that. I probably would have closed with. It's tough because Hart was playing well. He had obviously huge two three pointers. Um, you know, Grimes is probably the guy that the Heat are going to care about the most on the three point line, which when you have Randall and Brunson in there, you need. Um, and so it was weird that RJ was the odd man out because he's probably been the next most reliable player for a few games now. Yeah. Um, but. I think you're already dealing with kind of a tough decision there. I don't think Evan Fournier is the answer, like, and and I mean, for what it's worth, like RJ went five for nine from three today. Like, like mm-hmm. those guys just give you so much, more. and like RJ's defense has been really good for two series now. Um, I just I don't see it with Evan Fournier at all. Like,
0: I don't think Thibodeau will play him either. But I th- I was um, I was surprised and initially I I thought. RJ should close instead of Hart, but to be fair to Thibodeau, even not in hindsight, but even at the time, Josh it's, Hart has closed pretty much since he's been here.
1: And and, and considering he was criticized, a with it. like a lot of people, including myself, I don't know if I but like. There was like the like the RJ Hart lineups in game two, in game one, really hurt us, right? Because they clearly didn't care about Hart in the corner, even RJ. They were willing to give. RJ, they were closing out at least. Hart, they weren't closing out, um, and it, you feel bad because RJ is so good. But but Brunson figured it out in the fourth, and um, and um, and Hart gives you that that energy on the glass. Um, it's it's not, it's not an easy decision, and um, you know, that, go, that goes to the part that even when you get better players, it's not like your job gets easier, right? Because sometimes you have too many good ones, so. Mm-hmm.
0: I want to point out how astonishing it is that it is May 2nd. If he went back in time about six months and I told you that the Knicks in the second round with their home court advantage would have their bacon saved by another great game by Isaiah Hartenstein, you would probably have like considered having me committed or checking my weed or changing my weed or something. Isaiah Hartenstein, again, just relentless, meaningful minutes. Like, it's amazing to me how, in a year when Mitchell Robinson has done all the things he's done that are incredible and has really grown um, into this, this player, I don't even think. People at their best expected a couple years ago. is still a season where Isaiah Hartenstein has earned the playing time and the late fourth quarter moments to be as important of a contributor as he's been. Like, he has really saved their ass on a number of occasions. And tonight was another one.
1: I mean, like, he had three offensive rebounds, I think, on one possession, or I think he had two, at Hart had a third, mm. in that possession that took a minute. I mean, this almost feels like one of those ball control offenses in the NFL. Yeah. That just, um, he was and just the effort. I mean, and those were not just "I'm bigger than you" rebounds. That's, That's not to take away from guys who do that. He, it was effort, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, he his stat line doesn't look great. Um, he had a big floater in late. Um, yeah, he did. You know, he hit a um, he hit that free throw after the. I mean, there was a controversial call on that and one they gave Brunson. Mm -hmm. Um, I empathize with Heat fans who felt that maybe that should have been called before the shot. But also, he set that screen to free him up. And And he made that free
0: throw, which was a big free throw.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Bam ran him over. Maybe that was exaggerated contact. But without that screen, you know, that's the difference between Brunson having a wide open three versus Probably still an open three, but Bam closing out, which is no um, no small thing. Um, he's he's been incredible all season. Um, weirdly enough, it seemed like he seemed to really get it together after Robinson went out, and it it seems like it seems like some of these players. I was like, it's weird because Quickly hasn't played well, but I thought that you know, if Brunson did end up being out tonight, I was like, and Quickly's gonna have a good game, and like that's not a knock on anybody or anything, but like. A lot of these guys, and this isn't even knock on Tibbs because I think, you know, it's fair to have a short leash a lot of times, especially in the playoffs. But in general, like he's going to try to win the game. But a lot of these guys seem to play better when there's no short leash. You saw, I mean, the closest thing is Obi had a great game in Game One. Um, You know, shot the ball from three well, but he was also three for four from inside the arc. I thought his defense was really good in Game One tonight. Mm Even he had a, a bad game and. You know, I'm not trying to rip Obi Top, and but it definitely seems like when they know they're not going to come out, they play a little bit freer. And um, you know, it's a young team; they're going to have to figure out that balance. Uh, you know, that's why they say when a guy can just come in and knock down threes. To your point, a guy like Evan Fournier, who was out of the rotation, came in one game, and you know, the one night stand quote came when he was ready to go. Um, and so, you do have to figure out how to just be a pro sometimes, but. Um, but I think Hartenstein was helped a little bit when when Mitch went out, and you know it allowed him to kind of get those reps and calibrate and, and adjust to the team. And it's it's funny because um, I think I don't know if Schwin was of this or you know he wasn't getting minutes because a I think well, he was I think he it was clearly hurt. You saw him block Isaac Okoro well above the rim less. Series right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that was something that was simply never going to happen in the beginning of the season. Um, maybe it's confidence. Yeah. I think it definitely looked like he was hurting. But it's weird because a lot of the criticism at the time was, "Well, he's a guy that likes to play at the top of the key, throw those backdoor passes, operate a little bit with the ball in his hands." And Tibbs is just trying to make him Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, um, but it's but he's and he wasn't a good rebounder. He, he was a terrible defensive rebounder and. LA in the beginning of the season he wasn't a good one here but he committed to that stuff he did all those things he became you know Mitchell Robinson's probably the best offensive rebounder in the league but Hartenstein's right up there with him and he's become a very good defensive rebounder and he's now brought over the rim protection he had from LA and the minute he started doing that it seemed like Tibbs was like okay now you can do the top of the key stuff right <laughs> when you learned how to be the guy I want you to be now you can be the guy you were before um but another guy you don't win this game without and um and and probably i mean i can't say enough about him like mitch robinson was the best center in a series that had was the best big in a series that had evan mobley and jared allen two guys who and mobley for sure people put above him but jared allen for a long time you know even when he was in brooklyn everyone's like he's better than mitch he's better than mitch and if you actually looked at the production it, it was a it was much more nuanced than that. I could have given those guys the the benefit of the doubt that, yeah, sure, Jared Allen's better. He does a little bit more on offense, not as foul-prone. But he dominated that series. But I also think a big part of that is that, like, the Cavs only had two bigs. They had Mobley and Allen. Um, and then they would bring in someone at the four, um, whether it's Lamar Stevens or Dean Wade, to steal minutes. But those guys were playing 40 minutes a game. Um, Mitch, for the most part, was playing around 30. And a big part of that was he had a guy that could come in and give them equal production. And so Hardenstein deserves credit for how effective Mitch was because he can come in and and keep beating them up. It's like having two running backs in football who are equally good. Mm -hmm. You keep the other one fresh. Um, And I think it's also against a team like the Heat that's very aggressive, um, being able to find those passing opportunities, be able to move the ball on a team that's prone to stagnant periods I, periods, I think Obi gives them that. I think quickly, even in this even this series when he's played so bad, he gives them that. He moves the ball around. We criticize him for picking up his dribble, but he's often able to find someone like RJ or, or find someone in a good spot when the defense is kind of rotated, even when they're in a good position. <laughs> There's someone, if they relocate, who has a, maybe a slight advantage and quickly will find them. You need some of those guys to connect and, and start moving the ball um to complement the ISO guys and, and Hardenstein's just been for eight million a year, man, it's been a fantastic acquisition.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, I want to ask you about something before I asked you about something else. And the first thing I was gonna ask you was, "Fuck, I can't think of it." So my second question: Did you think that there was any opportunity and an opportunity to be taken advantage of in this game for Thibodeau to play um, Deuce McBride? Some,
1: I think my we might. Go- well, I think it- when when everyone's healthy, he's not gonna play. Last game was a little bit more surprising, mm-hmm. um, but Brunson and Quickly, when Brunson and Quickly are both healthy, it's tough. Um, I think he played he played Hart forty three minutes. Benji Ritholtz mentioned that that might have been a little bit of an overreaction to Butler. Um, it'll be interesting to see. Mm-hmm. He basically matched Butler minute for minute with Hart, and I think and Benji clipped one where Grimes was on Butler and. He got picked, but quickly switched on a Butler and forced a turnover. That's not to say that you can switch quickly on Butler all the time and live with that size advantage, but the guy, the Knicks have those guys. And Grimes, in particular, is a guy who's had a ton of success against Butler on defense in the past. And, um, you know, like, yeah, Deuce is probably not the guy to stick on Butler, but in a switch, in a pinch, quickly can hold up. Deuce can probably too, right? I mean, Butler is stronger than basically fucking everybody. But Deuce is pretty thick himself and he moves his feet extremely well. He is a guy that can force unless Butler doesn't get away with an offensive foul, he can force him into jump shots. So I was surprised that we didn't see him in game one. Um, especially with just 43 minutes from Hart and like the team not having grimes. Um, but when everyone's healthy, I get it. Um, that said, this is not two series in a row. Like Let me ask you this. How many minutes do you think Deuce McBride would have gotten on the Cavs last series? If
0: he had played for the Cavs?
1: Yeah, if Deuce was on the Cavs last series, how many minutes would he have gotten?
0: I think he would have gotten minutes. I think... um... More than one well, thing. More than he got with the Knicks.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Rubio sees the floor in that series if they had Deuce, No, right.
0: if McBride is there, Rubio doesn't play. I think I there's think a have argument. A little doesn't. bit into Okoro's minutes, like maybe a little bit. Um, but yeah, Deuce can actually make
1: shots. I think he could have gotten as much as twenty minutes a game. He can make shots. He hasn't shot the ball as well, and um, but I think he's a little bit more comfortable He's a quick release than Isaac Okoro, and. And they're giving Danny Green and Ricky Rubio minutes. Yeah, I mean, if they had a guy like Deuce to throw at Brunson, you know, um, for a oh few god, minutes, oh god, yeah, oh god, yeah, um, you know, be a reliable out, like he, like, he knows how to space. Um, so it's tough, like, we'll see what happens with him this offseason. I think there's still another year before he starts to maybe be like, uh, you know, <laughs> one minute, but, uh, I want minutes, but and I don't know that he'll ever be that guy, but um. I don't know, like the Knicks point of attack defense, I don't think that, it's tough to point to too many instances where their defense has just been bad I think they didn't adapt to the fact that the, the Heat didn't really have anyone to, you know, they're going to help on ball on, on penetrators the Knicks are treating a lot of these Heat players, like if Gabe Vincent or Kyle Lowry gets in the paint even Mitchell Robinson is jumping on pump fakes, like I don't know if you still think you're playing Darius Garland and Donna Mitchell, but you're not like Mitch, you're seven, one Kyle Lowry's 85 years old. Put your hands up, make him shoot over you. Don't jump. Um, same thing goes for guys like Gabe Vincent um, the Knicks were also trapping a lot and gave up some open threes. Like that was the one way that he were going to beat you. And you just kept doing that. And that's the Nick way it's, it's, you know, but um but I just didn't feel like they were quick enough to adapt. And that could be that's probably a combination of player tendencies as well as Tibbs. But, um, you know, to answer your question, um, I don't know that point-of-attack defense is the problem for the Knicks in this series. Like, they're doing a good job mostly of staying with guys when they get in the paint. Um, I guess the one thing is, like, they've struggled a bit with BAM screens. I was thinking of –
0: that's what I was thinking of. McBride's ability to stay with Vincent especially better off of some of those
1: actions. But I, I think quickly has handled those well. It's really been Grimes and Hart who seem to have gotten frustrated a little bit with those. Mm. Um, so, I, I, I mean, it, it's just tough to find minutes. But, you know, if McBride can hit a couple shots, I think for a few minutes a game, like especially if they're really struggling for answers, He does help on offense, too, in the sense that he moves the ball and moves without the ball, and he pushes the pace. Mm -hmm. I don't see it happening, but, um, you know, like if if somebody ends up in foul trouble or somebody's hurt, um, you know, it's nice to have that kind of, you know, another pivot you can go to in your back pocket. What's frustrating is those are the kind of pivots that Spolster seems to deploy at will almost, and they almost always work out. And that's how I felt about Tibbs last season. Or sorry, last series, like he threw out Deuce McBride out there with Grimes hurt on Mitchell, and he <laughs> not only did Deuce but, like you mentioned Medusa, I that was kind of my comparison um, for the Knicks last series. No, you and said right. that
0: last time. It's not Medusa; it's the Hydra. Uh, I see Medusa. If Medusa, if Medusa was a Hydra, that'd be terrifying. Every the whole is the one thing.
1: you look in the eye, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I should, I see. I just started. Have you read Percy Jackson? no okay that's um it's a fantasy series they
0: sound interesting yeah they, they've always sounded interesting to me
1: yeah it's um it is a fantasy series a lot of people say it's it is a little bit like harry potter except the author to my knowledge isn't a transphobe <laughs> um always a you plus. Know, <laughs> um you know yeah i should know that anyway but um yeah it's like a Hydra, where i think that and this is why there's – um I don't know if you guys follow – know if you follow Xavier Justin on Twitter. He's, he's a really good follow, really smart guy. Okay. Um, he's with Knicks Film School. And he's been saying that the Knicks are heavily dependent on winning the possession battle. That's been their secret to success. Offensive rebounding, low turnovers. I've talked about this too. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I – like, it seems like he's made the case that if they don't win that, they're kind of fucked. And I'm like, in the Cavs series, I was like very much – I don't think so because – when the Cavs, you know, the Cavs have a choice between contesting Brunson in the paint, or um, and, and allowing Mitch to work on the glass, or um, or allowing Brunson to get makeable shots. Right? If it's not Brunson, you got Randall. It's t- they couldn't do both. So when you when you try to cut off one head again, you try to cut off Brunson, you give up rebounds. Um, you try to cut off rebounds. You either get Brunson open shots or open shots from three. It seems like the the Heat, both because of the fact that the mix are a little banged up, and because they have better perimeter defenders, can kind of do both. Mm. Um, they can cut off multiple. They can cut off the other head when it when it grows. Mm. Um, I think it's it's not a perfect analogy because I think that. But it's like, people have clipped this, that they were able to to collapse on Brunson and still like, um, I think Dallas Amico's talked about this. Benji's talked about this. You know, if you looked from game one, they were able to collapse on Brunson, force his mid-range to be like heavily contested, where even for him, that's a makeable shot, but not a great one. But they also had two hands on Mitch. They always had a body on Mitch. And to Mitch's credit, he still got some offensive rebounds, but it wasn't the same as it was against Cleveland. And they also have, I mean, Bam is a little bit sturdier in some ways than Jared Allen, right? He's in in, in some ways being shorter helps him because he lower set of gravity. Like you can't just move him out of the way as he's Kevin Love, for all his, you know, you know, his the maladies of old age, is a very good defensive rebounder. He knows how to box out. So, the Cavs have the ability to take away both, which leaves you normally with Quickly or Grimes shooting threes, but they've either been off or in Grimes' case, you know, wasn't playing much. So, if it's Josh Hart and RJ Barrett shooting threes, that's the Knicks are capable of winning like that, as you saw tonight, but it becomes tough. Um, So, I think the Knicks have to figure out how to get back to that Hydra strategy. But, why I think the Cavs. Underestimated the Knicks was I think they have those hydro like qualities. Where they're like a lot of Cavs fans are like, well, all you have to do is just box out and and focus on the glass. It's like yeah, but when you do that, you free up somebody else. Right now, it seems like the Heat are able to do that without losing that, mm-hmm. without freeing up Randall and Brunson and making it be so that somebody else is hit of three. And, and when it's Grimes or Quickly, they're closing out anyway. Like Grimes and Quickly are only getting three or four threes a game, and they're heavily contested so next you're gonna to have to figure out another way to get those guys open because um i think in general as i evaluate teams in the playoffs like i think the hydra analogy is great in the sense that how many of your strengths are interconnected with each other where are your strengths parallel or are they connected yeah. right is it um you said hydra i'll say whack-a-mole right where if you take away <laughs> brunson you got mitchell robinson going off on the glass if you take away randall you're, everyone else is firing away from three. When the Knicks are clicking, it looks like that. When they're not, it often looks like a team can can hit most of those things at the same time. So
0: We will see which Knick team shows up next on Saturday, three days off before game three of the series, and then after that, I think the rest of the series is every other day. It's Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then if there's a game seven, it would be the following Sunday. Um, That'll be it for this episode, but certainly not for the series. Next going on the road may not be a bad thing. I think just some of their young players, I think, might actually relax a little bit being in front of a crowd that doesn't expect much from them. We'll see. Um, we will surely be in touch with you around those Miami games. So keep an ear out for the weekend. Please remember, Bet Online. No, sorry, backwards. The Believe Next podcast is presented by Bet Online. It was also presented by stacy and me um that's all for now everybody thank you for joining us peace enjoy three days of non-competition i can't tell you like two minutes into the laker warrior game how much my blood pressure had dropped just from like five minutes earlier so take some time heal thyself and we will see you in a couple days peace